0: So what exactly happened to the Vikings offense on Sunday against Miami? Should we be concerned about it? What can we learn? Let's talk about it on the Locked On Vikings podcast. You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Locked On Vikings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, your pal, and the kid you copied off in math class. My name is Luke Braun. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL. Show is on Twitter at Locked On Vikings. You can find the show on Amazon Fire or Roku if you just download the Locked On Minnesota Sports app. And today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash NFL. If you like episodes that uh, are like this one, that are going to talk a little bit more film analysis-y, you can find them on Patreon. Patreon.com slash LukeBraunNFL. I want to talk about adapting today. Um, The Vikings did a good job of that. On Sunday. And Wednesday for me is the kind of what really happened day. And so I'm trying to figure out, okay how did the Vikings win this game? Right. How did they go about winning a game where they played so poorly for so much of it? That's a genuine question that I'm seeking an answer to. They had to have done something right. Right. They can't. You can't do everything wrong and lose. If you do everything wrong, you don't take advantage of the opportunities the other team gives you. And you can say, well, they won because the Dolphins like, got penalties and went out of field goal range and they screwed up and backup quarterbacks and blah, 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 blah. But what I'm trying to do this year that I haven't been as good at is instead of taking a result And applying modifiers and working backwards instead of saying, well, they won, but backup quarterback, but it was in tough weather and that's something. And but they, you know, didn't have the game plan that they thought they did from Miami. And so then you add all these modifiers and adjusters until you find some answer, some hypothesis to how good the Vikings really are by by this game. And therefore, how many games are they going to win? I I don't want to do that. Like, that's how I did it a lot in in previous years. I want to find more of the why. I don't know how good it makes them, but here's what happened in this one. And the answer to that for me is adjustments. And that's why I want to talk about like adapting and adjustments in this one. Um, There was a great article by Alec Lewis at the athletic. I'll link it in the show notes. Yell at me if I forget. um, That was about the adjustments the Vikings had to make. So they were caught off guard by something. Um, basically throughout this whole season, they've seen a lot of more 4-3 focused defenses, and if um, especially nickel packages. You get 4-3 pretty much always. This is a thing. I got a couple 4-3 versus 3-4 questions in the mailbag yesterday. Expanding on that. A 4-3 defense um, and a 3-4 defense have very, very similar looking nickel package. Unintelligibly different sometimes. Like, actually difficult to discern what kind of defense you're going at once you're in the nickel, because the extra linebacker that kind of defines the four, three comes off the field in nickel and that extra defensive tackle, that extra big guy comes off the field in nickel and you're left with basically the same group of people. You have a four man front. Usually Um, sometimes a linebacker will walk up to the line of scrimmage if it's like a blitz look, but that's true, both three, four and four, three. And so, whether or not you're going up against 3 4 or 4 3, when you're a team like the Vikings that lives in 11 personnel, lives in three wide receivers, Jefferson, Thielen, Osborne, a tight end of your choice, and a running back of your choice, that is their world. You get nickel a lot. Yes, three wideouts, they need three corners. You get nickel a lot. Um, the Dolphins refused to play that game, even though they had played that game with everybody else who gave them nickel, they always would, or who gave them 11 personnel, they would always get nickel. Um, and everybody who the Vikings had played when they put out 11 personnel, you'd get nickel and you'd get a four down front and a four down front is usually going to be really simplified under or over, maybe a pro front. If you want two two eyes or something like maybe something a little bit wider if it's third down, but it, it, there's not a lot of variance in four man fronts that the Vikings will see when you go into 11 personnel you tend to get more simple fronts. And that's part of why you want to live in 11 personnel. It's a lot easier for offensive line. Makes everything that much easier to to deal with. The Dolphins, again, they didn't play that game. Vikings came out in 11. And instead of putting out the nickel, the Dolphins stayed in their base package. It's a ballsy move. Because if the Vikings are going to start throwing, you're going to have, you have to, by math, have a linebacker on a receiver somewhere. Um, That's... Scare a safety on a receiver somewhere at best. That's pretty scary. And the Vikings did have moments where they tried to punish that. However, they failed at execution in those moments. And so that's one part of it is that they did actually get chances where, Hey, we're passing our 11 package versus your base package. And that means we have faster men on the field than you do but our protection busted and Kirk took a sack. (laughs) And so, yeah, well, okay, the whole thing is broken. Right. And that's part of the ebb and flow of a game. Part of the, the element of randomness in a, in an NFL game is that dynamic of, you know, this predictable thing is going to happen, but it is kind of going to happen on one play. And you don't really know when that opportunity is going to come when they're going to bring out their base package. And when you've decided to call a nickel, like bootleg shot play or something, when are they going to bring out their base package when you're going to have 11 personnel out there? Um, You know, you don't really get to predict when that moment will be, but a lot of times it's a random second down and you had the perfect play called and that was going to be the touchdown that changed the game. But uh, your guard full started, and (laughs) you've got to go call something different. Um, That is a lot of what happened in this game. But part of it, too, was that the Vikings just could not do the run stuff out of 11 personnel that they usually want to do. They live in 11. They live with three receivers. And they've got all sorts of tricks up their sleeve for how to run the ball despite not having those extra beefy guys out there like C.J. Hammer and extra tight end. When they don't have those guys out there, they got all kinds of tricks for how to run the ball, and that means that they can utilize play action with those receivers, right? If you never run the ball out of 11, you can't use play action out of 11. Nobody has this problem because everybody's got ways to run out of 11, right? So the Vikings have all their things and all their favorite things to do. Once those things were shut down, you now cannot afford to have a run game out of 11 which means a lot of the things you want to do in the pass out of 11 also kind of have to go away. Playbooks, game plans come in packages, right? And if you're getting rid of one part of the package, you can't just run the other part of the package haphazardly. The defense is going to catch on to that. They get paid too, right? Um, And so the Vikings essentially had their playbook reduced by that decision that the Dolphins had to not go into nickel when the Vikings came out in 11 personnel, knowing how much the Vikings like to run out of 11 personnel and the Vikings failing to punish it because of communication issues and stuff. We'll get to it um, really defined this game. And it took them a while to kind of find momentum outside of that bread and butter. And it really forced the Vikings onto the fringes of of, of what they do. Uh, I'll explain that in a little more detail in a second. Um, But first look, Tiring season and that means you gotta know about linkedin jobs linkedin jobs is the platform it's the number one rated platform by small businesses to post your job opening they've got all kinds of tools screening questions and stuff that help you find the candidate that is right for your small business the right person for your team um if you're not, i mean if you've got a job opening you're not putting it on linkedin jobs like what are you doing LinkedIn jobs will help you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked NFL. That's linkedin.com slash NFL to post your job for free terms and conditions apply. Thank you so much for making Locked On Vikings your first listen of the day. On Fridays, make sure you check out the Locked On NFL podcast where you can find key predictions from all of the local experts here on the Locked On podcast network uh, talking about keys to victory for their respective teams, especially on the bye week when we don't have a game to preview ourselves. You can also find more in-depth film breakdown-y content like this on my Patreon, patreon.com slash NFL, with examples drawn on clips, that whole good thing. Um, But for now, let's talk a little bit more about what the Vikings did to adapt to those base package fronts that the Dolphins showed them. So they're caught off guard by this. A lot of their game plan had to go out the window. And that meant that they had to run a lot more of stuff that I don't think they expected to have to run that much of. And that is going to make execution a little more difficult. It's the stuff that you didn't drill maybe as much. It's the stuff that you're not as comfortable with, Um, you know, 12 personnel stuff. Johnny Munt and Irv Smith on the field at the same time is not something that the Vikings have been all that keen on doing and a lot more CJ Ham than I think they expected to have to do. That's the kind of adjustment you have to make. In the middle of a game, though. And so how do you get your head into that? How do you like get yourself wrapped into that? So some of the stuff that they did out of that personnel is a really good way to respond to the challenges that the three, four, the typical three, four fronts present to you, in particular the bear front. Now I talked about the bear front going into that game and it turned out to be a big problem for them. Um, like I kind of was like, I wonder how they'll respond. And the answer was, be wrong about if they were going to see those. (laughs) and then they had to figure it out on the fly. Um, but a bear front, if you don't know, five-man surface. You've got your two edge rushers on the outside of the tackles and three guys on the inside of the tackles. That's what um, defines a bare front and a bare front. I think always, if not almost always, has a zero-technique nose tackle guy. Head up on the center, and then you have two defensive tackles on either side of him, usually at a two-technique position, like kind of lined up over the guard, or maybe two-eye lined up over the guard with an inside shade, so like really tight packed in there. And then two defensive ends, usually at five-technique, lined up outside the tackle. That is a bare front, and the problem with that is that it essentially forces a one-on-one with the center and the center is never going to be bigger than that big old nose tackle. That Those are your Haloti Nada, Vince Wilfork types. And, I mean, we know that about Bradbury, but pretty much any wide zone tack, uh, center is going to have that problem. And so you have to get that double team back, which means you have to find a way to win the numbers game back as the run, the, the, the run game. One way to do that... And kind of the only way the Vikings can do because all the rest of them require like mobile quarterbacking and adding an extra, adding a person to the the equation because of the it, you've got you know Kyler Murray, um, but what the the Vikings can do is leave one of those guys unblocked and run away from him. Just whoever's on the backside of the run, you leave that guy unblocked, and you have Kirk Cousins in a way account for him by boot doing bootleg action, and you throw that bootleg enough that backside guy has to respect it. And then you can kind of keep him out of the run play in that way. That was the thing the Vikings had the most success with. That was the 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 nature of the zone run that they called. That was the big long Dalvin uh, Dalvin Cook touchdown that iced the game. Jalen Phillips unblocked on that play and had to slow play it because Kirk Cousins was rolling the other way. What if he has the ball, right? So those are the two adjustments, I guess, the Vikings made. They sort of committed more to having more big guys on the field, more Johnny Munt, more CJ Ham, less KJ Osborne. um, And that is not the way they wanted to play this game, I don't think. And then running running the iterations of those zone runs that they haven't probably really needed to drill as much um, that leave guys more unblocked on the backside and stuff like that that's kind of how they figured it out and it took them some time to get that communication. Right. But that's really what went wrong in a lot of those plays was communication on the offensive line. I wrote a whole article at zone coverage should be out on Wednesday, but about the animated conversations on the sideline that we saw the, um, you know, Kirk cousins talking to Bradbury talking to Kevin O'Connell. Um, we didn't see if he talked to Justin Jefferson after missing that route or not or whatever, but it seemed like the problem was more at the O line anyways. The O line miscommunicated a lot, and a lot of the problems that we saw from specifically Bradbury and uh, Ed Ingram were the two culprits. I think the most often when it came to pressure were setting the wrong way, blocking toward the wrong guy, the first the wrong first step, and leaving too much space or splitting wrong. Not necessarily, you know, here I am, my house is built, I'm I'm ready to block you, and I get beat, but. I set outside when I was supposed to set inside and the guy just ran past me and swam past me and it just, you know, I sat wrong, right. Or I overset or whatever. And that shored up in the fourth quarter. And then the Vikings really started moving the ball that I, that's a huge reason why. And I think that whatever that animated conversation was in the sideline (laughs) was a conversation that needed to be had. Um, and that really made the difference, Um, in my opinion, I'm, I'm guessing, you know, you can't know what they said unless you're a lip reader or whatever. I'm not going to get into that, but there were a lot of communication breakdowns before that sequence. And then afterwards there were very few. So one could guess, um, what that means to me is pretty optimistic, right? Because, Hey, they were playing poorly. The cause of that poor play just got ironed out in the middle of a game. Now they go for two weeks and they have a chance to talk about all this stuff um, because they're on a buy. You got to think they're going to be a little bit more polished coming out the other side. Defensively, you kind of see the same trend, and that's what I'll get into next here. Um, but first, let me talk to you about the uh, the good old Gramble. Baseball playoffs are well underway. We are down to the semifinals there. What is it? Astros, Yankees, Padres, and Phillies? <laughs> Look at me, avid baseball fan. You can bet on that. You can bet on football games. You can bet on all sorts of crazy stuff, wacky player props, teasers, all sorts of stuff. Um, you can bet on other sports horse races, tennis, boxing, golf, whatever you want to find. You can find all of that at betonline.net. You can even bet live in the middle of a game or event uh, with their live betting module. Once again, that is betonline.net where the game starts. So without getting bogged down in a lot of details, um, suffice to say that the Vikings won this game in Miami because they solved problems on the fly because they were able to adjust and, and, take, you know, we did not expect we were going to see this front. Let's change our plan. And defensively, the same thing as well. They had to, they had no idea what they were. I don't think they had any idea what they were going to see with Skylar Thompson. And I think Miami was very purposeful about that. They had a game plan for Skylar Thompson. That was never going to look like anything they drew up for Tua or Teddy. Um, but then Skylar Thompson goes down just as the Vikings are adjusting to that. Right, they struggle in the first couple drives. Dolphins come away with zero points, which is a fortuitous outcome. And then Skylar Thompson gets hurt. Teddy comes in, and now I think my I, I would bet, and I, I haven't seen the uh, Miami game versus the Jets, but I would bet that they had a whole bunch of game plan stuff in that game ready for Teddy. And didn't get to use it because Teddy got hurt on what, like the first drive, first play maybe. So I would bet that they had a whole bunch of stuff. And they, hey, remember what we practiced last week? We're running that now because Teddy Bridgewater's our quarterback. And now that's the game plan. And you definitely don't have tape on that because they didn't get to, to run it. So my guess would be that the defense was contending with a game plan they didn't know about and they had to adjust to it. And then they got a new game plan they didn't know about. And then they had to adjust to it. And then they came out in the second half. And while we were all getting really mad at the offense, Defense was forcing just as many three and outs. We went like six possessions without a first down on either side of the ball. And that is a a rousing success for the defense. And I think, again, part of that is just adjusting, just finding what sort of concepts they like to use, what sort of coverages you need to be in. And what I'm noticing on the defense more that gives me a sense of optimism is that they are coverage adjusting more. They are being in a coverage, but then things are switching. Guys are taking each other's man. Guys are passing off a little bit more. It looks, it's not night and day or anything, but it does, the the incremental improvement has truly continued. And I'm hoping that now you get a a minute to kind of catch your breath at the bye and really self-scout and look at it all. You can hopefully make a big leap in the next game. But the next game is going to present a challenge that they haven't had to deal with yet, which is the option. They haven't played like a true read option team. There's been read option quarterbacks, Taysom Hill, um, I believe there's some option stuff in the Bears offense, and Skylar Thompson was running some, so they had some, but this is the Cardinals live in it, Um, and so I'm excited to see what kind of stuff they come come out with there, so it's a brand new challenge again, Um, and so maybe you can't work on the generalities as much, but hopefully they improve at those generalities. And I guess where I want to leave this, and we're going into the buys, so we can have a couple more abstract conversations like this, but where I want to leave this is You know, the the operative question of are the Vikings good or are they just fake? Right. And their wins have been fake. Uh, Of course, they've been fake. Right. They had to make a fourth quarter comeback against the Justin Fields horrific bears. They had. Um, you know, to rely on multiple backup quarterback things happening with Miami and all that stuff. You know, the 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 Lions game, they got a little lucky. The Saints game, they got a little lucky with some calls like you can kind of moral defeat every single one of the even the Packers game that they won handily. You could say ah, weird week one stuff and the Packers might not even be good. Like you can turn any one of these victories into a moral defeat. Doesn't make them count any less, but you can kind of say, well, are the Vikings a five wins for every loss kind of team? Are we looking at, you know, 14 and three? Uh, no, (laughs) I don't think anybody believes we're looking at 14 and three with these Vikings, right? Feel more like a 500 team. But like I said, at the outset of this week, if you can win six more, and I got six homes game, home games, win all your home games, right? Or win all but one of your home games and steal one of your road games. If you can do that. You are 11 and six. That almost certainly wins the division. And you're feeling pretty good. You're headed into the postseason 11 and six. And then it becomes, if you can accomplish that and grow and be that complete team, then we're happy. And that's what I kind of talked about yesterday. And the reason I kind of started this episode with that talk about like how I I want to adapt my process into getting to know the why a little bit more is so that I can better project that out. How often do teams go from being like pretty bad but winning more than they should to winning the same amount but earning it is probably really similar to how often does a team start out 500 and then like run the table and get really hot, right? Probably not that common. Maybe it's more common with new head coaches as guys get their feet under them more or something. I'm sure somebody could do a study on that, but that's what we should be looking at. I think the Vikings are playing like a 500 team right now, and they've gotten a few more wins than that typically deserves. And if they continue to play like a 500 team, they'll go 500 for the rest of the year. That's 10 or 11 wins if they go 500 for the rest of the year. So that might be enough to get into the dance. But if you don't improve from being a 500 team, you won't go very far in that dance, right? Unless you get real lucky. So that's, I guess, where I'm at on the Vikings. But what I saw in this Miami game was just a little bit more comfort and the ability – well, not on the offensive line. The offensive line totally took a step back um, in terms of communication. And I suppose you can be concerned about that. And if they can't fix that problem, you know that'll, that'll sink you eventually. But defensively, I thought they took a, a bigger step forward than I think in any other game this year. Um, still incremental, I would still describe it as, but a bigger increments. And that's, that's all really good. I, I think the Vikings can make something interesting out of this season for sure. Um, But they certainly aren't at that point yet, but they have kind of the rest of the year to get to that point. So long as it doesn't cost them going under 500 down the stretch here to learn it all, you know, getting good at the end of the year won't matter if you do the 2016 three and eight thing. That's, I guess where I'm at headed into the buy. So are the Vikings good? No, but I think they're getting better. And if they're winning when they're not good yet, hopefully when they're getting better, they won't need as much luck. And I think that's the mentality that they have, it sounds like, in in the building, is yeah, we know that we're getting lucky. We have to get better, and we have to start making our own luck a little bit. Um, and I think I, I, I agree with that assessment. This game showed me that you can make your own luck a little bit. You know, you, you can force some penalties, force some holds, force some some pass interferences just by virtue of beating a guy so much he has to make contact. Um, you can, that, that Dalvin Cook rip, rip away touchdown, it was a terrible game for the run, terrible day for the run game, in large part because they had prepared run plays that the for fronts that the Dolphins did not show you. And the Dolphins showed you something you did not think you were going to see, and so you were running way less prepared run plays, and they looked way less prepared. Is that a sustainable thing? Probably not. And the fact that they got used to it over the course of the game means it's extra unsustainable because now if they have to run those same run plays against somebody else, well, they're going to be that much better at them. They've got a whole game of reps in on it now. (laughs) And if they think that a team, you know, if they think Arizona is going to show them a bunch of bear fronts and, you know, three, four looks, um, I I don't know much about the Cardinals right now, so I'll I'll circle back to if that's actually going to be the case, then they are prepared for it. They've got some tape, they've got some self scout to do, and they'll be able to practice that and, and not be going from square one on it. Right. Th- those are the kinds of things that accumulate for everybody over the course of the season. And it's a matter of, you know, if you can pivot into that stuff in the middle of a game, pivoting to it in the middle of a week or in going into a week and pivoting into that and, and, and preparing that way for a week is that much easier. Um, I don't. Know, I walk away from this Miami game a lot more optimistic than I walked away from, you know, the the Monday show where I went, who they were really bad. Good thing they won this one. I go, I, I see why they won. I, I see where they did actually earn it. That doesn't mean that there aren't problems to to fix and things that you know there were some people who performed unacceptably and I'm sure that they know that. Um, but I see enough from the Vikings in this game to say okay, they did find ways to truly seize that win of their own volition. And if they didn't deserve to win, then Miami didn't deserve to win more because of all the mistakes that they made. And so go Vikings 5-1. Tomorrow usually is Crossover Thursday. Um, We'll probably have some more abstract conversation or something. It's the bye week, but the show will continue to post in the bye week. We we aren't missing any days or anything like that. So I will see you all tomorrow. Don't know what we're going to talk about, but we'll figure something out. And as always goal.